Lost Books of the Bible, today on Spiritual Awakening Radio. More Lost Books of the Bible and the genuine spiritual wisdom that many of these old writings contain. My name is James Bean of SpiritualAwakeningRadio.com. Visit my website. There's a donate button at my website. There are links to Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr for daily spiritual quotes in the world of social media. You can follow, like, or sign up for. There are links at my website to my blog at Blogger, also at WordPress. You can download podcasts as well. There's a button that will take you to the podcast download page where you can access various editions of the program, recent editions of Spiritual Awakening Radio. To get in touch with me, the email address is james at spiritualawakeningradio.com. More Lost Books of the Bible on today's program. Last week I introduced some of the more surprising or amazing lost books. The case for the book of First Enoch, for instance. How the book of Enoch is referred to as scripture in early Christianity. That the book of First Enoch was part of the Dead Sea Scrolls Bible of Qumran in Israel and that the book of Enoch remains part of the Ethiopian Bible to this very day up to the living present the book of first and second Enoch are a part of the Ethiopian Bible last week I mentioned that the original King James Protestant version of the Bible in English published in 1611 contained several other books referred to as the Apocrypha, the book of 1st and 2nd Esdras, 1st and 2nd Maccabees, the book of the Wisdom of Solomon, the book of Ecclesiasticus, and several other odds and ends or chapters as well. Books that generally are not found in most copies of the King James Version sold and studied these days. Those books were not only part of the original King James Version, but are part of Catholic Bibles, Greek Orthodox, Syrian Orthodox, Coptic, Ethiopian Bibles, all the Old World Bibles from around the Mediterranean, North Africa, the Middle East, Near East, you know, Russian, Armenian, Greek, Russian Orthodox Church, Greek Orthodox Church. Syrian, Coptic Christianity of Egypt, all of those uh, old churches do include the books of the Apocrypha, which uh, all go back to the Greek Bible of the early church, known as the Septuagint. 200 BC in Alexandria, Egypt, was the first Greek translation of the Old Testament. And it included the books of the Apocrypha. That's how it is that these Apocrypha books work their way into the canon of Scripture 
of Catholicism and Eastern Orthodox Christianity. Also Coptic Christianity and Syriac Christianity. Ethiopian Christianity too. I mentioned last week that the author of the Gospel of Luke said that many had already composed Gospels before the Gospel of Luke was finally penned. And then I concluded the program with a spiritual discourse based on a couple of those early Christian Gospels, the Greek Gospel of Thomas, and I shared a verse from something known as Gospel of the Savior, based on an Egyptian Coptic manuscript that was discovered a number of years ago. During the early centuries, there not only were hundreds of other books of Revelation or Apocalypses, Gospels, books of Acts, epistles or letters, commentaries, psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, but there were thousands of other Gospels, letters, psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, commentaries, revelations of one sort or another. I don't think there ever was a systematic attempt to catalog all of the writings circulating in the 2nd, 3rd, and 4th centuries A.D. I don't think that ever got done. You have different writings being studied, being copied by monks in different regions of North Africa, Egypt, Israel, Sinai, Syria, Mesopotamia, around the Persian Gulf, Turkey. You have, you have a number of different writings circulating, but not always the same Gospels, not always the same letters being copied and circulating, uh, circulating. So you have different things in different areas. And I don't think there ever was a systematic attempt, A through Z, to round up all of that material. I don't think that ever got done. That sort of got forgotten about went off the rails at some point, and you end up with a kind of Roman reading list being imposed on everyone eventually. You know, whether you're in Syria or Egypt or Ethiopia, you're supposed to read the Roman reading list, a kind of Euro-Roman-based canon of Scripture that got imposed on everyone. And so at some point, you know, with people coming out with lists of banned books uh, and discouraging people from copying and studying some of these things, instead of some sort of scholarly, systematic A through Z roundup and copying and bringing together all of these amazing writings, I think a lot of them just got forgotten about, became lost, disappeared. Some of them have turned up some of them have been, you know, rediscovered. Others, however, remain completely lost. We find references to them sometimes. We know that certain books once existed, but they're lost. And there are some cases where some writings, we have a few verses of them that got quoted by others, and so those uh, verses are forever preserved. But 
uh, the books that they're from remain lost, such as a very impressive gospel called the Gospel of the Hebrews from the first century, a gospel that probably the Apostle Paul had, since he refers to a story that only is found in the Gospel of the Hebrews about how James the Just, you know, uh, was waiting for the appearance of the resurrected Christ. And, you know, that's that's from the Gospel of the Hebrews that Paul mentions. And uh, Paul wrote his letters around 50 AD, and that's pretty impressively early for the Gospel of the Hebrews, if Paul knew of it, knew of a story found in it as early as 50 A.D. or 45 A.D., whenever he wrote his uh, epistles or letters. The Gospel of the Hebrews is completely lost, and yet there are a few sayings of Jesus quoted by others, you know, that are found in the Gospel of the Hebrews um, that other church fathers quoted. You know, Jesus said, in the Gospel of the Hebrews, thus and such, unquote, and those quotes are preserved. It'd be great to have the whole Gospel of the Hebrews back again. Maybe it will turn up one of these days. I, I certainly hope so. It's on my wish list. Also, the Gospel of the Ebionites would be another one. Sayings of Jesus uh, turn up multiple times. Uh, it is believed that there was a document. It's referred to as the Source Gospel or Q Gospel a collection of the sayings of Jesus that several different authors quoted from, Matthew, Mark, Luke, Thomas, John, and others, quoted from this collection called Q. And so the same sayings of Jesus keep turning up again and again, you know, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and Thomas, and some in John as well. There are sayings that appear in the Gospel of Thomas that also appear in what's left of the Gospel of the Hebrews, Gospel of the Egyptians, and other texts. And sometimes those Thomasonian sayings associated with the Gospel of Thomas that are not found in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John uh, do uh, turn up in other uh, writings of early church fathers or Syrian saints sometimes. Some of those sayings uh, might be quoted by Origen of Alexandria or Clement of Alexandria or Macarius of Syria. You know, some of those sayings might turn up and are unique to the Thomas tradition of this, the transmission of the sayings of Jesus. Sayings of Jesus unique to Thomas uh, and are not found in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. That's kind of interesting to notice to see that that collection of sayings that uh, is present in Thomas um, is known to people in antiquity and sometimes those sayings attributed to Jesus do turn up uh, are quoted by early church fathers and uh, Syrian literature uh, turns up in there which is kind of reassuring kind of speaks to the authenticity of the gospel of Thomas when those same sayings sometimes turn up in other documents, like there's a, a saying that turns up in Greek Thomas, Coptic Thomas, Gospel of the Egyptians, and Gospel of the Hebrews, as quoted by other church fathers, 
like Clement of Alexandria and Origen of Alexandria. It's interesting to see that going on. There are many Gospels at one time that were studied. One of them is the Gospel of Mary Magdalene. Scroll back in the archive and you'll find my Gospel of Mary Magdalene program. You'll also find a copy of my Gospel of Thomas program. A few copies of the Gospel of Mary Magdalene have been found in Egypt, revealing the preeminence of Mary Magdalene, providing an excellent example of the leadership roles of women in early Christianity. Mary is described as an apostle, equal in every way to the male apostles, and very much part of the inner circle of Jesus. Another example of the leadership role of women in early Christianity is a book called The Acts of Paul and Thecla. Speaking of women apostles and saints in early Christianity, The Acts of Paul and Thecla is the record of the life and times of Thecla, a disciple of the Apostle Paul and a spiritual successor of Paul. This book is brimming with supernatural accounts of miraculous events going on during the life of Thecla, very much reminding me of that literature of the Desert Fathers and Mothers of Egypt. The Acts of Paul and Thecla describe Thecla as an apostle of God, quote-unquote, who sometimes traveled and at other times lived a monastic, contemplative life in a cave. She was a spiritual leader and teacher who instructed people in the oracles of God, quote-unquote, whatever that might mean. The text records that many of her disciples abandoned this world and led a monastic life with her, unquote. Thecla was so highly esteemed that, that a temple was dedicated to her. I have seen icons of Paul and Thecla standing side by side. She was a, an apostle and leader in early Christianity. The teachings of the resurrected Christ and resurrection gospels one early manuscript of the Gospel of Mark ends early with no resurrection account whatsoever. In other manuscripts, a chapter is added which does describe the resurrection, and there's some variations in different manuscripts of the Gospel of Mark. Some are longer than others. And a few extra paragraphs at the end, in some cases missing from other editions of the Gospel of Mark. After studying the four Gospels of the New Testament, I became very curious and puzzled about how each of them concludes. Current Mark and Matthew, Luke, and John, as we have them now, only devote a few short verses, a couple of chapters, to the teachings and activities of Christ after the resurrection. Wouldn't you think that instead of a, a few verses, that there would be many chapters devoted to 
the activities and teachings of the resurrected Christ, if not entire books, you know, why wouldn't there be a lot of material about the teachings of the resurrected Jesus? But the New Testament simply and cryptically only says that there are many other things that Jesus did. And it also says he continued to appear to the disciples and instruct them about the kingdom of God, unquote. The way the New Testament authors treat resurrection teachings is in a very guarded, secretive sort of way. Parables for the masses. Discussion amongst the disciples and an explanation. But resurrection teachings, you know, that's, that's not something that is given out to the general public. Apparently, the, the post-resurrection teachings of Christ were regarded by the early church as advanced, meant only for those followers who are ready for a deeper commitment to the contemplative life and spiritual journey. Clement of Alexandria said that there were introductory gospels for new Christians and more advanced teachings for contemplative Christians or initiates of the mysteries of the kingdom of God. So that's why in the New Testament parables for the masses and more advanced teachings for the disciples and then things left unsaid. Some of those unsaid things do, however, turn up in other writings. Though they are more difficult to find, there are post-resurrection teachings of Christ. The books of Peace to Sophia, the books of Faith Wisdom, contain 11 years' worth of post-resurrection teachings of Jesus. And these were once used by Syrian and Egyptian Christians in the early centuries A.D. Peace to Sophia was rediscovered and brought to London in 1772 and was published and uh, was very influential on the poetry of William Blake. So, Peace to Sophia was sort of the, the Gnostic Gospels or Nag Hammadi of 1776, you know, uh, and another time, a very influential collection of writings. And Peace to Sophia also contains many beautiful prayers and hymns. It's a wonderful book. It also contains some resurrection teachings. So you have like K through 12, you know, introductory material, parables that you talk about in public with the masses, and then amongst the disciples you get Q&A and discussion of a more advanced level. And then this later material is more advanced. 
After the break, let's have a look. Let's have a look, shall we? At some of the spiritual wisdom found in some of these post-resurrection gospels and other lost books, more lost books of the Bible. This week on Spiritual Awakening Radio, stay tuned for more after these messages. Before I get to some of the post-resurrection sayings of Jesus, here are some other very pleasant sayings of Jesus that turn up in various ancient texts. This world is a bridge. This world is a bridge. Pass over it, but do not build your dwelling there. That's a saying that Marvin Meyer put in a collection, put in his collection called The Unknown Sayings of Jesus. Not sure if these are pre- or post-resurrection sayings, but they're wonderful wherever they're from and when. Love and goodness are the beginning of the way. Judas asked, Where does the path begin? Jesus answered, It begins with love, love and goodness. That's a saying attributed to Jesus, preserved in a gospel called Dialogue with the Savior. Have faith in the love of my Father. A saying of Jesus from an unknown gospel fragment written in the Sahidic dialect of Egypt. Found translated in an obscure book I have in my library called Texts and Studies, Volume 4, Coptic Apocryphal Gospels. Nothing is impossible unto you in the removal of the mountains. Now therefore have faith in the love of my Father. This saying of Jesus turns up in a Coptic gospel a Coptic language gospel manuscript called Gospel of the Savior. You are never alone. Jesus said to his disciples, You will flee, all of you, and will leave me alone. But I do not remain alone, for my Father is with me.
looking upon your fellow brothers and sisters with love. This is from the lost gospel of the Hebrews, quoted by an early church father. We can read in the Hebrew gospel that the Lord speaking to his disciples said, Never be glad except when you look at your brother or sister with love. The Gospel of the Hebrews that the Nazareans are used to reading listed this among the most serious of offenses. Those who have saddened their brother's or sister's spirit. Those sayings are preserved in the Complete Gospels, translated into English in a book called The Complete Gospels, edited by Robert J. Miller. And this is something very similar to those. It's preserved and translated into English in a book called Extra Canonical Sayings of Jesus by William D. Stroker, published by Scholars Press. Quoting an early Christian source, a saying attributed to Jesus, The Lord admonishes and says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit which is in you, and do not extinguish the light which shines in you. Like St. Paul's Damascus Road experience recorded in the New Testament, Christ is said to have appeared to his followers as an incredibly brilliant light and many rays of light. Many interesting dialogues between Christ and his initiates are recorded in a collection of writings known as Pistis Sophia, the Books of Faith Wisdom, about 11 years worth of activity of the resurrected Christ. Pista Sophia also contains many beautiful hymns and prayers. This is one of my favorite post-resurrection sayings of Jesus. Seek all of you after the light so that the power of your soul that is in you may live. Do not cease seeking day or night until you find the mysteries of the kingdom of light, which will purify you, make you into pure light, and lead you into the kingdom of the light. After the break, I want to delve into this subject of the kingdom of the light 
and sayings attributed to Jesus about the third eye and seeing spiritually and entering into the experience of visions of divine light. The name of the program is Spiritual Awakening Radio. Stay tuned for more after this break. Kingdom of the Light Sayings The Gospel of the Light If thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. If one is whole, one will be filled with light. But if one is divided, one will be filled with darkness. Do not cease seeking day or night. And do not let yourselves relax until you have found all the mysteries of the kingdom of light, which will purify you and make you into pure light and lead you into the kingdom of the light. Various sayings of Jesus about the light. One of the central teachings of advanced mysticism is the experience of inner light. In fact, having visions of divine light is a universal experience. People around the world in all cultures, in all religions, in all schools of spirituality have recorded visions of heaven and encounters with the light within. Many have eloquently described in their sacred texts encounters with light coming from beyond the darkness. Many, including those who have written these various Gospels of early Christianity, describe God, the Supreme Being, as a God of all-encompassing, pure, brilliant light. They also teach that we, as souls, which is our true spiritual identity, are sparks of the light, that we are, in reality, children of the light. The experience of light or light mysticism, seeing actual inner light, takes place during one's time of contemplative prayer or meditation. When we stand in the darkness, when it's dark on the outside, like meditating in a darkened room or early in the morning or late at night, then the light shall appear. There are many sayings of Jesus about seeing the light. I call these the Sermon on the Light. When I put these all together, I call it the Sermon on the Light. Since it really does read, and especially when you speak it out loud, it really does sound like a spiritual discourse on the theme of light. So I call it the Sermon on the Light. Trust in me. Look to the Living One. 
while you are alive. Lest you die and seek to see him and be unable to see. Understand what the great light is. I am the light that is over all things. I am all. From me all came forth, and to me all attained. I am the light of the cosmos. Anyone who follows me will not be walking in the dark, but will have the light of life. Walk while you have the light, so darkness won't overpower you. Those who walk in the dark don't know where they are going. Since you have the light, believe in the light, so you will become children of the light. I will give you what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no hand has felt, and what has never occurred to the human mind. When you move ill will from yourselves, then you will clothe yourselves with light and enter the bridal chamber. If one does not stand in the darkness, one will not be able to see the light. There is a light within a person of light, and it illuminates the entire cosmos. If it does not shine, it is dark. If then the light inside you is darkened, what darkness that shall be. For this reason I say, if one is whole, one will be filled with light. But if one is divided, one will be filled with darkness. If your eye becomes single, your whole body will be filled with light. When I have gone to the light, teach all the world and say to them, do not cease seeking day or night and do not let yourselves relax until you find the mysteries of the kingdom of light which will purify you and make you into pure light and lead you into the kingdom of the light. Do not let heaven's kingdom become a desert within you. Do not be proud of the light that enlightens. Rather, act towards yourselves as I myself have toward you. In the beyond, if they ask you, Where have you come from? Say to them, We have come from the light, from the place where the light came into being by itself, established itself, and appeared in their image. If they say to you, is it you? Say, we are its children, and we are the chosen of the living Father. We came from the light, and to the light we shall return. We are the children of the light.
You're hearing Spiritual Awakening Radio. My name is James Bean. After the break, I will delve into the experience of divine light and the third eye center. If thine eye becomes single, one will be filled with light. If your attention is no longer scattered, if you are no longer divided, but become one, you will find the light. On how to do that, after these messages, stay tuned. If you'd like to receive a copy of Peace to Sophia and read this post-resurrection gospel online, you can do that. Send me an email. I'll send you a link to it. You can read it for free online. My email address is james at spiritualawakeningradio.com. And as always, visit my website to get up to date on spiritual quotes or the latest podcasts. My website is spiritualawakeningradio.com. Experiencing the inner light, according to the teachings of the resurrected Christ and, of course, all great saints, mystics, and masters of the ages, for that matter. They all have that same message. The rays of primordial light that illumine purified souls with spiritual knowledge not only fills them with benediction and luminosity, they also, by means of contemplation of the inner essences of created things, lead them up to the noetic heavens. For this reason, St. Nilos says, The intellect's proper state is a noetic height, somewhat resembling the sky's hue, which is filled with the light of the Holy Trinity during the time of prayer. That's a passage from the Philokalia, Volume 4, a collection of the writings of various Eastern Orthodox saints, published by Faber and Faber Books. God is light, and in him there is no darkness. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Understand what the great light is. I am the light that is over all things. Various sayings of Jesus there. St. John of the Cross, the soul is always invested by the light of God. The light dwells in it by nature. George Fox, founder of the Quakers, said, The light of God is within everyone. It says in the Dead Sea Scrolls, From the fount of his knowledge has my light shot forth upon his wonders has my eye gazed. Your Holy Spirit illuminates the dark places of the heart of your servant with light like the sun. And further to the east, Kabir once said, The light of one soul is equal to that of sixteen suns. (laughs) 
the single eye. If one is whole, one will be filled with light. But if one is divided, one will be filled with darkness. The following is from Swami Sant Seviji Maharaj. The tenth gate is also known as the sixth chakra, the third eye center, the center located between the two eyebrows. This is the gateway through which we leave the gates of the sense organs and enter into the divine realms and finally become established in the soul. We travel back from the realm of darkness to the realm of light, from the light to the divine sound, and from the realm of sound to the soundless state. This is called turning back to the source. Just as earthly activities are performed in the light and not in darkness, Similarly, spiritual earnings are done in light, not in darkness. Therefore, take yourselves from darkness to light. That's from the last words of Swami Sant Seviji, who also says, practice inner light meditation and inner sound meditation. These will remove the layers of darkness. Light and sound which conceal your soul from the Supreme Soul or God. You will know who you are and when you know yourself you will also know God. And also from Swami Sant Seviji Maharaj. In this process of meditation, the scattered consciousness gets fully collected and there appears a refulgent point, which is the infinitesimal form of God. There appears the refulgent lights in the inner darkness and our consciousness starts hearing the inner divine sounds. In this state, the true master guides the practitioner. Those are some sayings about the process of going from darkness to light as we concentrate at the third eye center. We gaze into the darkness and find the light that is beyond the darkness. Some introductory meditation instructions. This is from Hazur Baba Sawan Singh. As to any exercises which might help you until the time of your initiation, I can only suggest at this time that you may sit in meditation in a quiet place like your own bedroom or some room as secluded as possible and with spine and body erect in a comfortable position fix all the attention at the center just back of the two eyes. In other words, at the third eye center in the forehead and slowly repeat the word Radhaswami. The word Radhaswami means Lord of the soul. It's a name of God. And slowly repeat the word Radhaswami 
fixing the mind on the Supreme Being, who is your Supreme Father. Those are some introductory meditation instructions from Sawan Singh to uh, tie someone over until they are able to become initiated fully you know, into the meditation practice, into the secrets of meditation. That was his introductory meditation instruction that he used to give out to help prepare disciples who aren't initiated yet, but it gives them a, a starting point you know, to explore meditation. I have a more a lengthy introductory meditation instruction I can send to you. Send me an email at this address, james at spiritualawakeningradio.com. Ask for the introductory meditation instructions. I'd be happy to send these to you. James at spiritualawakeningradio.com. Thanks for listening to this week's edition of Spiritual Awakening Radio.